0: you'll never believe this a pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and
1: tradition should inspire but not limit us
0: yeah we talk about stand-up comedy surfing religion family issues doritos hemorrhoids the bears and absolutely nothing at all you'll have so much fun you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders
1: Hello. hey how's it going hey man how about you it's been a long time yeah i'm good i was remember that budweiser that, commercial i was i was worried that i had a stage five clinger for a second there <laughs> how so yeah, you were like, "You are there? I'm on my way. You there? Is it? Are we? Gonna, are we on? Are we <laughs> on? Hold on. Oh, oh, maybe oh, you're not oh, getting my text messages. Let me let me email you. Maybe you're not getting. <laughs> but I got you. But did I get you? Wait. Let me FaceTime call you. Did you get me? Am I got you? Are you good? Right. It's like I'm busy. Just I'll get there. Hold on. It's not 11 yet.
0: And then uh, what you're is the it? one who was late. Look at that. Uh, I'm always late. So what can I say?
1: And you didn't get on until 11:06. After all that, I do what I can, man. I Want to keep you on your toes. I don't even have a gun, let alone let many alone guns that many necessitate guns. a gun rack.
0: <laughs> I forget why, but my brother-in-law sent that out to one of our group like messages things, and like he did it just so I would be the only one who got it. Like somebody, something about a, a holster or something, and he was like, "I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns," and he like sent the clip, and I was like. Nice work. And he said, I knew you'd be the only one who would get it. I feel like those are the greatest friends I have.
1: Those that, 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 that we'd only communicate through movie quotes and song lyrics and
0: such. And they'd always come up and you just kind of get it, whether it was. uh... I actually was just walking with a guy in the building. He's a a guy, he's like probably in his twenties. And we talk about movies a lot. And I said to him, as we were walking by, he wants me to watch. He's like big into Christopher Nolan movies. And I haven't seen Prestige. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. He keeps hocking me to watch it. Now, keep in mind, he hasn't seen the Terminator, any of them. And I'm like, okay, kid, like, you know, don't, don't talk to me about the prestige if you haven't seen like the Terminator. But anyway, so I'm Stage like, okay, I got to right. watch it. That's what I said. And he goes, I was like, what is it? And he was like, he got it right away. He was like, stepbrothers. And I was like, I'm proud of you. That was very good. It's you're, hard because
1: on- the later, the, the older I get, the less people really know movies well enough to quote them or they you know now with the way tv and movies are people don't there's not a common set of movies that everyone in the world has seen you know there's like so many yeah. stations and so many content like if you don't subscribe to amazon prime you haven't seen certain shows
0: or sure um netflix is the same yesterday it's definitely killing sermon, a communal conscience uh, conscious that we we don't seem to have anymore yeah yesterday in my sermon
1: I said. um what did I say? Oh, I said if you um if you oh if you if you tell people what to do and confuse them, they're offended and they won't come back another time. Uh I said think about it this way. Think about it this way. I never understood the matrix, so I never saw the sequels, <laughs> and you it was like <laughs> night and day you like one that had, I preached three different services, you know, one service crickets. Nobody knew what the matrix was. What like Another service. Was this an that,
0: age issue? What
1: was that? It could have been age. It could have been age. Um, The second service it, that joke killed it. Absolutely killed. There was another joke in there that, that was like so good in that service and I was so happy. And then the third service, it was like half and half people who wow. laughed. Um, but I was just like, yeah, this is case in point right here.
0: So I don't even know if I ever told you this, but when I was here for the year, it was, it was uh, probably 2002, 2003. you were what? The, when I was here for the year, just studying for one year in Israel. Oh. I was like here for one year. And when I was studying the school that I studied, I decided to do some kind of fundraiser event, something, something, I don't know what it was. And I, I was like, okay. And they said, you've done stand-up. Why don't you host it? And I was happy. I was like, fine, I'll host it. Yeah, that's fine. It was like mostly going to be like music. And then I would like interject throughout. So I spent like a couple of months, I feel like writing jokes about like what it's like to be somebody here in Israel for one year. Like that was my focus. I was like, okay, that's, that's where I am in my life. And that's what I'm going to tell jokes about. And something happened unbeknownst to me that somebody put the tickets on sale at like the synagogue where it was being hosted. So, and that synagogue is like notoriously just people who had uh, retired to Israel. So you're talking, I walk out onto the stage for my set and it's half the people who have been here for a year, like one side of the room, all people just here for the year, studying for the year. The other half was like 70 plus, all of them. (laughs) I'm like throwing jokes out. So how about like when you're here for just a year and they're like, huh, what? And they kept yelling, no joke, too loud, too loud. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: I was like, I've never been heckled that my microphone is too loud. That's a new one. That was definitely a new one.
1: Yeah, it's you got to play your crowd, but you also for I don't sure know, some some jokes you just throw in for yourself. Sometimes.
0: Oh, totally! I love throwing in jokes for myself, and I go, you know what? It doesn't even matter to me that you got that. That was such a good joke.
1: I mean, and the good thing is, it's not that—that's not the career, right? It's not stand-up comedy where you you have to nail it every time.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly did you today, um today yeah, you want to
1: talk about the show streets street sharks the uh animated cartoon <laughs> that is it the, speaking of
0: be, speaking of things i've never seen, seen it did, was that saturday morning
1: i don't know i think so i mean i think i watched like three
0: episodes like you're giving you're, like a so perfect awful. example of something i haven't seen
1: exactly
0: like
1: I, the, I, I i think it was so awful that it, it like traumatized me you know what i mean like It was just such a bad, it was like these sharks that could walk and they fought crime and
0: rollerblades. (laughs) You you, you know what that is? That is like a perfect where They were like, oh yeah, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles worked. Why shouldn't this one work? (laughs) Street sharks. I think it's also Um,
1: what sort of, what sort of birthed uh, Adult Swim, like all the weird, like hybrid cartoons on Adult Swim that are unbelievably comical. It sort of mocked that genre of, uh, just like the like i think street sharks tried to be seriously crime fighting sharks but adult swim sort of mocked it and they figured out that that's how you do it that's how you get them so what about street sharks did you want to talk about
0: well i wanted to talk about how you know most no i wanted to talk about street smarts versus oh. book smarts that's where i was at street i was thinking what i was street smarts did you did you spend all this time looking up sharks? I did a lot of research. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, will, we will make our mothers proud with the amount of research we have done. So the um, what my thought was, I actually went and did uh, a circumcision a bris up north a couple of weeks ago for a friend of mine, and he came when we came back. He said to me, "It's amazing watching you work." He said because like you're all about like making sure that everyone's comfortable and happy and like, you know, dealing with the parents and there's a lot of politics and there can be a lot of drama there. And he was like, and it's like, it's a total skill you have to have in the work that you do. And I was like, well, thank you. I thanked him for it. And I was quite touched that he noticed. I didn't even, it's just what I do. You know what I mean? Like it's the only way to sort of do it. Mm -hmm. But the, but I thought to myself, there was a time when I was studying in New York um, and when I was at this school, there's a real push in, in the Orthodox movement, especially, that if you're going to become a rabbi, that you need to be like, your book smarts have to be like way off the chart. Like that's what people are expecting. They're expecting you to be able to analyze the text and the law really on point. And there were a lot of people who were coming to the school at the time, I would probably include myself in that in that category, that book smarts were not our strength. And the head of the school said, there's a lot of things, there a lot of skill sets that you walk out of here with, um, and you might even have already before you walk in, that are vital to being a rabbi in a community. Um, and he said, so for the people who aren't amazingly book smart, he said, we are proud to put people out there and rabbis out there who are who are going to really relate to the people on a, on a much deeper level. And, and that was a and nice they, way of saying you're stupid. <laughs> wasn't it a nice way? I was like, oh no. And like, yeah, he called That's me into his office and was amazing. like... Did they say that to you? I said, you're going to do
1: real well on the streets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is that like, was that the hope of how much you were going to get paid one day? Like, (laughs) you're going to be fine on the streets, buddy. That's where you're going to end up. So So no, but I thought it was, it's actually a really good question. Like, especially for probably more for you, maybe even for me. In your job, do you find that you know, your relating to people is your is a is a skill set that you're happy because I know you're good at that. I just know you, but like, is that a skill set that you feel like is more prioritized than the book smarts, or do you feel like both of those things? You know, you try to balance both of those, or or which one gives you which one's prem- has premacy in your mind?
1: It's tough for pastors because the sensibilities aren't a narrow set of Uh, you know, we're not just learning one, you know, biblical knowledge or liturgical knowledge or religious knowledge. I mean, even those alone are a very broad set of book skills. It's like there are, let's say there's seven sensibilities of um, learnable, you know, facts that we need to know. I would say I'm 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 a C plus student in most of those, and um, we never had a sort of uh, a licensure exam. Did you have like a final exam, comprehensive of all the kind of scripture and uh, religious knowledge and all that, or
0: not? So it wasn't it wasn't something that ended up happening, you know, as sort of a final final. It was it was every year we sat, we basically learned sections of law. Um, every year. And every year we had a huge written final that we had to sit down. Um, it, he, we were given, I think, if I remember correctly, we were given like three weeks to sit down and answer like a set of 30 questions. And you were expected to answer them like in depth. And if it went all the way back to, you know, Torah, if the, if the basis of it was in Torah, you started from Torah and then you went into each, you know, set of law books thereafter um, up until modern day. I mean, it was really, it was extensive. Um, and I thanked God every day for the search find option that I had on my computer. Cause I don't sure know it. if I would have done as well. You know, some people have that kind of mind, but yeah. So we had that sort of thing, but it wasn't like a culmination of, of the four years or whatever it ended up being for me. It actually ended up being nine years. It wasn't a thing that ended up at the end that they said, okay, let's sit down and see everything you've got. Some do do that, but that was not the way that my school ended. Did yours do that? You said do do. <laughs> You're on point
1: tonight. Um, no, we didn't. Uh, we had, you know, each course had its own final exam, but there wasn't a comprehensive at the end. I know um, some of my uh, friends who are non-denominational went to Bible colleges did have like, do have a comprehensive Bible exam? And it's, it's serious and intense. And mm-hmm. um, I've talked to some folks who said, yeah, I, I've forgotten 80% of that since I passed on because most of it is either accessible or, online or, you know, they they never really reference again. Um, So I, you know, it's it's tough to say, I think I, I I only think I'm effective in any way as a pastor because I've developed relational and collaborative skills. I think because congregational ministry is about working with uh, dedicated partners and, and, you know, members in the congregation it's only through working with them that, that we as pastors are effective. I think if we only know the book stuff that we learned in seminary um, we're not going to be able to get, you know, get some of the things done that really excite and
0: energize a
1: a congregation to make a difference in the world.
0: It's interesting because Uh, I, I definitely know rabbis who, you know, I would say that they are so skilled in the textual analysis that people maybe even give them a little bit of a pass when it comes to the interpersonal stuff, which I find interesting. Like, I don't think I would, if I was in a synagogue and I was a congregant in the synagogue and the rabbi was horribly, you know, unskilled in the interpersonal dynamics, um, but was really a great orator or a great, you know, uh, able to, you know, textually analyze things that wouldn't, that would not be enough for me. Like I would need to have a balance in some way, right? You can't be totally lacking, but that does, you can get away with that in the Orthodox world for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think I'm I'm certain that there are people who have either left the church or who have come to visit and not come back because I wasn't as um, intellectually stimulating as they want from their pastor. It was more, I was more practical, involved, realistic, um, and relational. And I think, so some, I think it's different, different strokes for different folks. They just want, you know, their leaders to have, that but i also think you know that's kind of the beauty of diversity of churches and religions being very different as people can find that you know high church sense of a of a priest or a pastor or a rabbi who is very knowledgeable but has little social skills or organizational skills or business vision strategy management um they just want to show up and get the you know kind of lessons and facts and uh, bells and smells of a of a worship service um, So I've seen people be effective on both ends of the spectrum. For me, it's, it's, it lies solely in the relational and, um, kind of, you know, I think being able to sense like, okay, what needs to be done? How do we get there? Who needs to help and trying to find, get other people involved and value their skills and such. But I don't know. Maybe I'm
0: maybe an outcast. So I, I don't think you're an outcast. I think what, I mean, look, I definitely think that probably your model would be this, a very similar model to mine. Um, what I found interesting, uh, was one of the classes I took when I was in New York. Um, when I was at a place called the Jewish theological seminary, there was a class I took that was called translating Jewish theology. Mm -hmm. Um, it was one of the better classes I took for sure um it was one of the major theological thinkers in the conservative movement um neil gilman was his name he passed away a couple of years ago um, actually funny thing about him was that he was known to smoke a pipe and like that was one of his things he was like a pipe smoker like and tobaccy, like when tobacco pipe yeah, or the, yeah, 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 the, yeah 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 you know the, the no the, the tobacco and he was he then he would smoke in his office and they came that point when i think i while the time that i was at the seminary that they said uh, that's it there's no more you know, smoking indoors in all of New York. And he just totally ignored it and continued to smoke in his office. Mm-hmm. And like, that was known. He was just like given a pass. Anyway, so he was this well-known theologian. Um, I mean, really well published, well-known in the conservative movement, maybe even beyond the conservative movement. And uh, he team taught this class with one of the education professors who actually at the time was a, was the head of the education school um, because He said he was having a hard time teaching the class. People weren't getting what he was teaching. So he brought in a a co-teacher to sort of help him with some of the stuff was, I'm sure, ways to teach, you know, doing things which were more interactive. Like this teacher was well known from the education school to get people and say in the you know three fourths of the way through the class, he would say everybody up and do jumping jacks. And He would get everybody up just to get their blood flowing, and they just sit back down. He says, no, "You should do that in your classes because people can't sit for that long and really, you know, focus." Um, but he gave him, you know, so they worked together, and it was actually an excellent class. Um, and I think I'm, I'm kind of wondering whether or not it would be a good model for for a synagogue or a church where, you know, you 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 had multiple. As I'm sure you do, do you feel like the the people that you work with? you know, accent other skills that you aren't as good at? Were they, were they that good at choosing their leadership and to say, okay, Ralph is really good at this, but our other pastor, fill in the blank, I don't know his or her name. Uh, they were good at this. Do you think, did they do that? Are you guys compliment each other in that way?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. We have a, I mean, our church has a collaborative model I, and I really, I think I do a great job at letting people down in the things that they assume I'm good at and I'm not, I, I, some things I just don't even try, you know, and I kind of
0: feel like here's where this is not going to work right here. And now, I
1: mean, I learned in one of my leadership uh, courses that you really have to give people an opportunity to use skills that they have what through either through invitation or through what was the other word through, I I guess, disappointment, you know, through kind of a yearning. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I, If I try to do the financial management and fail miserably, people just simply criticize my failures, right? But if I say, I'm no good at this, so I'm just going to do the bare minimum um, and it's going to be bad. Someone might go, well, I'd like it to be better and I'm good at this. You know, I'm sort of intentionally lowering the bar so that other people can find their place in it. And and they also
0: don't feel like they have to live up to such a high standard also. Is that what you mean? Right. And they, well, no, (laughs) no, No, meaning no, that they, if they think that you're, you're saying, I'm no good at this at all, then they feel like, well, I can do it. So I'm better than Ralph. So, I mean, maybe I should step into the void here.
1: I mean, there's nothing worse than people who don't know themselves well enough to not do what they're bad at, right? (laughs) Who, Who think they're good enough and try and pretend they're good enough at all these sensibilities that are expected from a pastor or religious leader, Right. Right, because we're not just again. It's not just a subset of three religious practices: scripture, uh, worship, pastoral care. Mm-hmm. We're expected to be have high levels of leadership and development, uh, relational management, uh, counseling and care, um, vision, direction, missions, strategies, all these other things. And 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 if any one individual thinks they're great enough at it to do it all and be the lead of it all, they're only deceiving themselves. Right. And that's a form of sin essentially. And so for me, it's like, okay, I'm hoping someone else can help with this and I'll ask, I'll ask, I'll ask, but I'll also tell them this, this is something I'm not good at. If you want it done better, I'd love for some help. It has to be done some of that stuff, or I just let it go undone. Um, if there's no time and if people are, you know, we get a lot of, I always say to people, if it's your idea or your complaint, it's your call. So if they come into my office and they say, pastor, I have this idea, I'd love for the church to do it. I'll say, great. How can you help? And who's going to lead it? Because nice. their assumption is always, I'm going to do it. It's like, I can't take more on. And I, it's your idea. I have no skills, experience, uh, or I or knowledge of how to start. And so same thing, if it's not being done and people come in and complain, I say, well, it sounds like it's your calling to teach that Bible study. How can I help you? I'll get you the resources. I'll get you the partners and I'll, you know, I'll advertise, I'll communicate it. Um, But that, I mean, I think that's where the the street smarts comes in is in getting people involved rather than, you know, me going out and studying and learning how to do it all and then failing at half of it.
0: Can I ask you, I mean, on a personal level, do you feel like, what are the things that you feel that you struggle more with? And what are the things that you feel that you're, uh, that come more naturally to you? In that in that list of things that you just listed off. Cause like about 10 of those things that you listed off, I would be like, wouldn't know where to start, wouldn't know where to start, wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so I'm wondering, do are there things that you are are surprised when you got into the job and you said, Wow, I didn't think I'd be good at X, Y, and Z, but I'm actually much better than I thought, or you know, where does that all fall out for you?
1: Hmm. So first, I think my weak my biggest weakness um, is I'm too good at everything.
0: Of course. Yeah. And is humility on that list, or is not on the list? Oh yeah, I'm the most humblest. <laughs> um, it's like, and that's the other thing. I'm the most humble. Yes, go I'm, ahead. I'm just incredibly humble.
1: I can't tell you. I win every time at the humble contest. Um, okay, so. You're asking kind of what, 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 what I'm good at or what
0: I'm I'm asking you. I'm also, I just want to put it out there. I'm not asking you this so that like, Hey, tell everybody what you're not good at. Like I, I imagine what my life would have been like if I had gone into a congregation and I can imagine, I can give you an example. Like when I was studying um, here in Israel uh, and I was, I was coming close to being finished my, my training in rabbinical school. Somebody came in who had a congregation in Jerusalem and said, Hey, if anybody wants to work on any of their skills that they think they might have to do one day, I'm happy to sort of make an opportunity for you. And I thought, wow, that's really, that's such a great offer. And if there's something that I'm never going to do well at, I bet it's, or I have very, very little experience with, so I'm, I'm sort of doubting my abilities in. it would be fundraising. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and I said to him, I said with him, I would love to do, you know, just get some experience, just even get, you know, a little bit of time get my feet wet on the, on the fundraising, you know, trail. And he's like, great. We're actually in the process of, um, doing fundraising for a building. And this is what we're going to do. He hands me like literally almost hands me a phone book and says, call these people. And I cold called like a whole slew of people. And I swear to you, one of the calls went like this, um, Yeah. Can I tell you how to do fundraising? Cause this isn't it. (laughs) It's like, I'm doing the best I can over here. Like it was really, I mean, I don't think the person was being mean, but it really was not the way to do it. But that's like, that's something, if I ended up one day having a synagogue or something and I, or ended up doing fundraising in some other capacity and I was good at it, I'd be surprised. It's just not something I feel like I was good at, you know?
1: Yeah. Do you feel like it's something you could have learned and developed?
0: Potentially. But I, I feel like, you know, I was talking to a guy actually on just this past Shabbat, I was talking to him at the, um, at the little, you know, smorgue that we have after the little eating session we have after our services. And that's what he does. He does fundraising for um, like this major educational institution, which is housed here in Afrat. And I said to him, you know, how's that going? And how do you like it? And he said, I love it. He said, but I, and I think I'm actually really good at it. I like the challenge of it. And he said, but I hate having to beg. He said, because what happens is you get people to maybe make a commitment or you're begging them actually to make a commitment. It sounded like, but, or once they make that commitment, you have to start like hawking them to get them to like actually pay up. You know what I mean? And he said, I feel like he hates that part. He feels, I feel like he was saying, I like the challenge of getting somebody to like nail down. I'm going to give X amount of dollars or shekels or whatever, and then doing it. He said, but then when you got to go back and go, please, please, please give us the money. <laughs> It, I feel like he doesn't love that part. I don't know who would like that part, but I, from where I sit, I was like, God, I don't even know if I'd be into the challenge into that first part. How would I get somebody to, you know, like they, he's dealing with big power people. You know what I mean? Do you have to do fundraising? Is this something you do? Yeah. It's and, um,
1: you know, it's one, I think with, with fundraising and with several other items, things that were kind of forced into doing, um, it definitely takes training or hiring or partnering and you have to get over the idea that it is, I think we all defer in those things to the worst, the worst example we've seen. You know what I mean? Like fundraising seems like a two bit salesman or a preacher standing at a pulpit saying, you know, give to God or, you know, we're going to pass the basket around again because we didn't get Uh, enough money.
0: I I thought it was the trash.
1: So, um, (laughs) I I think you got to think of a, a better way to do it. That's not the worst common experience
0: that you've had. Um, See, I always think, especially the way that I ended up doing it, I think of it like the way people call you and just cold call you on the phone and say, Hey, this is a great organization. It's great. You know, charity. Can you give to it? And it's like, uh, yeah, You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel like, I know what it feels like to be on the other end of that call. And I would always be like, oh, why do I want to, but what's interesting was he, somebody was taught, it was a third person was in this conversation on Saturday. And he said that what's interesting about the, the person I was talking to, his father is the sort of founder of the city. He started that whole educational institution and he is a major, you know, and has fundraised for years in a major way. And the guy said, you know what it is? Your father makes people feel like, they, uh, he's, they're actually doing a favor. He's doing them a favor to Mm -hmm. let them give him his money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, that's an interesting
1: way. How does he get him to do that? Mm -hmm. That sounds awesome. That sounds, it sounds like more guilt driven than,
0: anything else no i think he sells the thing like the the ketchup popsicle and white gloves to the you know to the person so well that they feel like of course i want to give to this you know what i mean yeah. not i didn't yeah. say i was I like see. wow that's amazing yeah exactly you know? so
1: that's kind of where where i've come to is you know if you're looking to people will give to mission um before they give to um function so if you're like we're gonna uh, we need more money to keep the buildings or to to keep the heat on people are like i'll give a buck or two Mm -hmm. and you're sort of guilting them if you want to if you have a compelling mission right you have something exciting to be a part of Mm -hmm. you just find a couple people who that's what excites them and you pitch it out you know a very broad-based vision like you know we want to so we want, so we went, so one of ours was we want to, we've, we were feeding, oh, I got 800 meals a year was kind of our, what we were doing between several different organizations. And I said, we want to up that to, we want to, we want to double that. We want to feed 1600 people in the next year. It's going to take this amount of money and this infrastructure if you're interested in feeding these folks. Um, and we had like a meet and greet of some of the families who we had um, helped feed before. And that was easy. Mm-hmm right? Because they saw a face and they, they were like, Oh yeah, I would feed these folks who are falling on hard times, blah, 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 who came to worship, that kind of thing. So giving became easy and we got sort of above and beyond what we needed. And and some of that fed into function, right? Some of that kept the lights on and kept the heat on, but the mission was to feed more people. Sometimes the mission is to hire a new staff or, but you kind of show people the difference and just let them figure out what they're excited about. Um, so I think that's the I mean that's the street smarts part going back to that too. It's they don't teach that in seminary that I learned that elsewhere but just finding ways to make it a better you know a better approach than I think a lot of pastors are like okay I don't know how to do this and I've got to get money so I'm just going to feel go up there and you know people can smell when you're going <laughs> to when you're going to ask them for money like <laughs> you know what I mean and I think unless you're doing it in a way where it's not about money it's about you know the greater mission um yeah. uh it, people people don't smell that you know people people like that that gets them excited um sure uh yeah a lot of pastors get up and be like I'm sorry I'm going to have to do this and it's october so we're going to talk money and immediately you're telling people don't listen don't give this is boring
0: right right when we, so it, what happens in a lot of the bigger shuls and the bigger synagogues in America is that they, uh, when you come in for the high holidays, right? For probably Yom Kippur, right? So when you come in on the day of atonement, when you're not allowed to even touch or think about money, they give you this card in an envelope. I think that has your name on it. It's got to have your name on it. That's the only way I can figure it. And when you take it out of the envelope, it's got, I don't know if you, like it's got all the different denominations of, you know, of money that you want to, or mm. could give. And you have to fold it down and then put it back in and give it to, cause you can't get, you can't actually do anything with money, but I guess the idea is that, you know, you can plan ahead. It's not a good idea. It's really not a good idea to do this, <laughs> but, but this is, this is definitely done. And, and because it's the reason they have to do it on Yom Kippur is when it's probably 60% more people are in the synagogue than are any other time of the year. So they, they, that's their chance to like hit those people up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, it's again, I don't I don't advise it, but it is it does happen. And it's I don't know how again, I'm thankful that I don't have to anything have anything to do with that.
1: So back to um, the book smart, street smart thing. Do you still yeah. have continuing education
0: that you do like so I, or
1: books or growth things or not?
0: I don't have, so there are a couple of uh, actually uh, Mohel conferences that do happen every, like once a year. I don't think they want me coming to those anymore because the people who run them, I've, I badmouth them just left and right. So I don't think I'm going to get any more invites to that. Um, the, actually, the idea was that they invite all these people and they hope that they'll sign up to be part of the organization. And I would never, I, I'm not a fan of the organization, so it's not going to happen. So they might've stopped inviting me. But as far as my development, I, I actually just this week started getting back on the horse after having moved to, to learning every day. So one of the things I've started doing as well, we, we haven't talked about it too much, but one of the other things, because I'm a sort of a rabbi for hire is that I do weddings. And, um, I got a couple books about a year ago and I had started them, but then with the whole moving process, I haven't done it for like, I think they were hidden in the box for a long time. So this past week I started getting back into the learning. And that's, that's like a, I mean, that's a goal for everybody. Every Jew, every day should be learning at you know, some point or another. So it's not just me, but that is my sort of professional development. I try actually tried to purchase a, a book that I've been looking at. Um, I, mean, I ordered it online, uh, but yeah, so the, the learning on my own is a, is a professional development. And the truth is when it comes to sort of practicality of, of doing Brito, of doing circumcisions, you know, it's like whenever you're there and you see somebody else, if you're not the person who's on that day and somebody else has been asked to do it and you're at the event, Mohalim always stand by the, by up and watch. And, you know, so like, I'm always trying to sort of get other ideas from other people and and develop in that way. mm mm-hmm.
1: But it's, it doesn't sound like it's a formal um, like you don't have to like pass another exam and get an accreditation and you know that kind of stuff. You're just learning. No, for I
0: actually think that that's kind of an unfortunate thing when it comes to circumcisions. But otherwise, no, there's no other formal. And we would also don't have what you were talking about. We don't get um, even I mean, if I were working at a synagogue, I wouldn't get three months off. You know what I mean? Like to do the professional development. It sounds like you you guys are sort of uh, allotted with. Um, what I've been trying to do lately also is is set up to learn with other people as well, find other people who are in the neighborhood, who, who might be willing to sit down and learn together. Cause that's always better than learning by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are, and those are just sort of the, my own self uh, willed ways of keeping, keeping on top of my game.
1: It amazes me how many careers do not have a, like a, a mandatory, uh, you know, annual update or review or, um, you know, learning new things, you know, like I think people are having to spend their own time having to learn developments in their field. And most of any sensibility, they're they're spending all of their work time doing their work and not looking at what other people are doing or advancements in the career. I think doctors have have this built in where they're, you know, they're doing peer reviews and uh reviewing what other doctors are doing in the development so, field. But like I, plumbers I actually, and electricians just know what they learned. You know what I mean? Right, right, like, right, Oh, I see there's a new way to do this. Or they're just, if they stumble upon something, great. But there's no like, here's the annual updates or here's some right. cool new stuff.
0: They actually, I was actually watching a, um, a video about uh, sort of the response to COVID that doctors had. And what was interesting was that th- what you're talking about, the normal um, peer collaboration that happens, uh, was all sort of put on hold because of the, because of the pandemic. And so people were sort of stuck in their tracks. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to deal with the problems that they were faced with in the same way as they normally did. And I, and it's interesting because I would have thought in some ways, you know, the way that zoom took off and, you know, the way everybody was doing everything that that would have happened, you know, that would have picked up, you would have been caught and been progressed and and back to norm, like much faster than it was, but it doesn't sound like that was the case. Um, but you're right. you like, there's gotta, especially in this day and age of everything online and everything, you know, that we can do is sort of a virtual conference that these things should be almost the norm in any, any job setting.
1: Yeah. And that's where, that's the niche that a lot of people are finding on social media and marketing is how do they serve their, how do people serve their, um, career, you know, their field with tools that can help. Like uh, my friend, a friend from high school, Jeff Langmade, who started as a chiropractor, he now runs a chiropractic marketing uh, program where he's giving free tools and free research analysis. So he's doing all the research and reading the periodicals, but then giving synopsis online of this new tech and new developments in the in chiropractics, but then he's also helping chiropractors do their marketing and get their referrals so that chiropractors can focus on cracking backs and not, you know, take 10, you know, take, take a whole day and lose 10 appointments of patients to study or learn or or read all these things that might not be useful. That's great. Um, the other the piece that I'm doing, um, launching a platform called Pastor Class, and they're just practical tips. And tools for um, pastors, church leaders of any kind, really, so that they can focus on ministry. So things like how do you manage your calendar? How do you what's what are effective tools to help you, um, you know, uh, do you know uh, do planning and staff meetings and all these things that we don't have the training for and don't have the time for to research five different apps or five different online tools. We just, you know, you you default to what you learned. And so a lot of these pastors are doing, you know, there's back when they were um, in seminary, it was probably a written, you know, hand calendar. And so they're going back to that. It's great. And it's effective if that's what you can use. But there are hundreds of tools now that are way more effective and will help you not have to think about those things as much so that all you all, like you can focus the primary portion of your time on serving people, making changes, doing ministry. And I think it's, it's incredibly valuable because that somebody, if somebody else could do that street smarts and say, here's the best thing for this, try it. Here's the best thing for that. Try it rather than it's daunting for me. If I had to go have a whole new scheduling system or, uh, you know, I'd have to go research a bunch and try a bunch, and it would take right. away from visits and writing sermons and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's amazing that people don't have or don't take that time.
0: Yeah, I think I, so at one point along the way, I tried to launch a little uh, Facebook group between um, a couple of different mahalim that I found a couple of different people who protect, practice circumcision as sort of a way to, and I felt like it was exactly what you're talking about. I wanted to have some place where I could bounce my questions off of people like, you know, and just get some ideas and, you know, ways to strategize. Um, and that was mainly because, like I said, I'm not in a part of any other organization. Um, there were a lot of politics in the group very quickly. And I sort of said, okay, that's, that one didn't work as well. But what is nice is that through about the time that I've done this, um, I have found people who have different skill sets, um, and who I utilize uh, with different questions. Like my one of my teachers is a dentist, and he is really good at the dealing with a customer. So if I ever have something that I feel like customer, like some sort of tension with people that I've been working with, I usually go to him. And I've got somebody who I know, he's like, this guy is super technical. And if I have a technical question about something medical, and I'm not 100% sure, or like, I, and I have, I've, I've had moments where families have called me and said, baby's doing great. Everything's doing really well. Um, He had he had been on oxygen at the beginning for this amount of time. And I'm like, okay, haven't heard that one before. I go to him, you know what I mean? I'm like, what is it? what, what do we do when there's oxygen and how long, you know? And, um, but like I've got every, I've got like a group of people that I, I constantly rely on. And I feel like what's amazing is it probably would be even better. Like you said, if I could sort of broaden it in some ways and, and open it up to a larger group of people, there would probably be a lot more, you know, collaboration and ideas and, and, and discussion that could probably be very beneficial, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, so did you say though that you're actually working on something like that right now or you found something that you can you can get that?
1: No, I'm working on it. I'm working on some of the content. Um, That's great. A, a preaching calendar together that is a digital or printable preaching calendar because a lot of um, a lot of colleagues I know, you know, we have three years of assigned texts for for preaching purposes. And we could take them or leave them, but a lot 80% of Lutheran churches take it. And that's what they're preaching every week. So it's already we know I, I could tell you what's what's what gospel people are using for the next three years, and actually infinitely if they're using it. So, but still I hear of colleagues who open the Bible on a Thursday or Friday and start reading a scripture, and then they're in chaos mode Saturday night trying to finalize their sermon at the expense of their day off and their family and their sleep so that they've got a sermon for Sunday morning. Um, so one of the tools is just a preaching calendar. So you just, it's a, you could use it as a daily planner for everything, but then there's this, you know, a week and a half before you got to preach on something, the gospel is right there. So read it a week and a half ahead of time, get your key mess. get your key ID or message. And again, it's this, it's this balance of street smarts, like how do you apply productivity to book smart of, I have to be able to do some exegesis and research on the gospel, come up with a topic and then prepare a sermon on the topic. But people are trying to do it, slam dunk it at the last minute, and then they're frustrated, but really they can only be frustrated with themselves because I could write sermons for the next three years and actually put them in files and never have to write one again if I really wanted to. Now I'd be entirely ineffective in the in six years from now when I'm, when I'm just you know <laughs> dusting off a three-year-old file. and
0: But... <laughs> It's still Especially with that Matrix joke, if it probably won't fly for the, <laughs> it's going to get worse. Although, <laughs> aren't,
1: aren't they coming out with a a, a Matrix Four? Are
0: they are? And he's and 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 Neo's going to be in it. You know, at the whole thing, I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, I haven't. Like I said,
0: not you. No, didn't no, no, get no.
1: past the first one. It just didn't didn't make sense. Maybe it's because I'm too deep in the Matrix. I'm too plugged in that that the That's what, whatever I'm downloading is a signal to say don't watch it. Cause then I'll, have, then I'll take the it. You
0: could always blame the matrix for not understanding the matrix. Blame the matrix for not understanding. Yeah. See, my brain just broke. Oh, sorry
1: about that. Oh, did you hear it? There was a, if we, if I, there was definitely some noise morning radio show. The, the, uh, the sound guy would have hit, hit a sound effect. At that point. Yeah. Clang.
0: <laughs> so you, but wait, so you're working on this thing. You are going to launch it as like a platform of some sort. Like how's it going to work?
1: Yeah, online, obviously, Um, you know, it's going to have a lot of daily content, simple tips and tricks, um, but also opportunity for, you know, for um, leaders to request prayer or um, more content. Um, And then there's, you know, there's going to be kind of bigger topics where there's um, video and um, kind of blogs, but more in a TikTok, TikTok form with some written emails that come through for people who request it on things like, um, self-help for pastors, kind of like what, what to do in crisis, um, and tips and, and, uh, very practical ways to manage expectations or feelings of inadequacy, or when someone comes at you with, um, you know, sexism or that kind of thing, how to defend yourself. So just really, really, really hyper practical, useful tools. So not, not too heady, not too book smart, but like, if someone says this to you, here's two great responses that are, you know, that are ways to handle it and then, you know, manage your feelings and expectations.
0: Are you working so, on with, are you working on this with anyone else? Or are you just, this is something, this is your own project.
1: No, just, yeah, just my own thing. Just kind of tinkering it's with great. It. So trying to, trying to bank a bunch of content, um, so that, you know, when launch comes, I don't have to rush to come up with what's, what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen next So
0: you're going to make a plan for how to make a plan for making the plan. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Again, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <Frank>. Well played. <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. I, I commend you for it. I mean, I think a lot of people are especially, I mean, do you think you could, I don't know if you would want to, do you have any desire to monetize it or is it something that's just going to be for, for people to use?
1: We'll just see where it goes. I think just it's a you know I hopefully it's a gift. I think I've found a number of ways to be effective and fully focused on whatever ministry I'm doing with minimal time wasted in in other stuff. And I think the more people I talk to they're struggling with you know kind of that those time wasters or their ministries getting jumbled and awkward and confused because they're wasting too much time on little things. So hopefully it's a gift to people um, if it gets monetized in some way, that would be obviously nice, but I think the gift is just hearing you know, but you, the, you the, have the, the you have the
0: podcast, so it's okay. yeah we're, right. we're,
1: we're, we're banking. <laughs> um, I think you know, to hear other leaders say, man, that really helped free up um some some feelings of you know, gain shame, guilt, expectations, or help me focus on writing or just changed my ministry. And you know, I, I really hope that people can be more effective because I think we all get into this, hoping to serve people and serve God. And then in the reality is there's a lot of minutiae that gets in the way um, and sidetracks you and conversations and emotions that really just derail the whole thing. Um, and the more that we can automate that or have practices to, get us back to norm as quickly as possible. Things like meditation that take, you know, a bad day and turn it back into, okay, I can get focused and get through this. Um, More tools that I can give to people like that. So they can say, you know what? I had a really bad email come through Um, rather than having it ruin my whole day. I took five minutes to meditate, did a gratitude practice and got back to focusing on writing a sermon that would make a difference or doing pastoral care that would make a difference. Um, you know cuz we you know i think the evil one attacks in many different ways and one of them is just simply derailing ministry from you know religious leaders who are great at it in their own way and have a flock of people to serve but just things get in the way organization sure. details scheduling phone calls emails um mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and then you know just so just hearing that people get to be more focused on ministry and be more focused and present with their families or whatever else they love doing because that's the other big shame is I think people will leave work and be spending time with their kids and still checking emails responding to texts or mentally are struggling with how to handle a situation at work and it's like oh you know you're why even bother being home you know it's better to just not spend time with your kids than to be half present and appear to them like you're not interested in them you know right. so how do you shut off yeah that's one of the things i was just prepping is how do you how do you turn it all off and leave it at work um without a ab- band without feeling like you're abandoning you know your church and your people
0: it's awesome i really i mean that's it's really impressive man so you're I mean, welcome
1: to throw money at me if you want for that but um
0: i will i'll give you another share in the podcast how's that <laughs> Okay. Well, then I'm, then I'm the primary
1: decision maker. I have 51%, oh, no. stake, which I do not want.
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't want you don't want that kind of responsibility. Oh, Can I just, I just want to throw out one thing that, that, you know, I know you started out with the, the street sharks, but I'm going to end it with, with John Mulaney's street smarts. Do you remember that bit that he did? In his most recent stand-up, like his most recent big one was called uh, Kid Gorgeous. I watched it the other day just because I can watch his stuff over and over and over again. And he did this whole thing about how when he was like, the greatest thing was assembly. Every day when you were in elementary school, remember when they just said, we're not in here, we're going to the gym. And everyone went to the gym and whatever. And he said, and we would have these random people come talk to us. And every year they would bring the same guy from the police station who dealt in children's homicide. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, and he was like, street New smarts. New York accent. Yeah. it was, And he was like, street smarts. My favorite, I think my favorite part was when he goes, he goes, um, he says, so if you're ever getting mugged, and he's like, because there's all those muggings going on when you're eight years old, we know yeah. about that. And he goes, so he says, you, get, you don't have a wallet, you got a money clip, and you put a $50 bill in it. And he goes, so I had to go home and say to my dad, can I have a money clip and a $50 bill? Don't worry, I'm not going to spend it he goes so the guy comes up to you and says give me your money and he says you want it go get it and he throws it off to us <laughs> throws the money clip off the side. i just love it anyway street smarts so, street smarts street smarts anyway people it's been uh, it's been good man i'm really glad we talked about this this was good for me i don't know if it was good for you yeah always good
1: thanks for listening everybody we'll see you again next week
0: take it easy